What's good, y'all? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amateur Like a T.I.S. podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed show for you today. Cover all the football. I figured why not surprise you guys with a midweek episode of your favorite uh, little sports talk uh, podcast. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm going to touch on the Ravens' big-time win over the Cleveland Browns. I'll touch on the Packers and their big-time win in a shootout against the division rival uh, Minnesota Vikings. So I'll touch on the Eagles choking a, a 17-point lead to the uh, Washington Redskins. Uh, and I'll get to that and have some fun and uh, make fun of Coach Arton for a couple of minutes. And I'll touch on the Bills. I'll touch on the Bills. They're opening a day win against the New York Jets, who stink. I'll touch on Cam Newton's debut as a Patriot, Brady's debut as a Buccaneer, and the Cowboys' loss to the Rams. And you better believe that I will touch on Joe Burrow and his debut as a Cincinnati Bengal a little bit later on in the program. And I'll touch on the Houston Rockets, who once again have uh, failed in the uh, in the postseason as a basketball team. And I will have plenty to say about that. And Mike D'Antoni, who will not return for the 2020-2021 basketball season as head coach of the Houston Rockets. But first things first, the Baltimore Ravens, what a phenomenal job they did this weekend. I mean, this is about, this is three, this, did you all know that this is three straight uh, week one victories for the Ravens in which they beat their opponent by more than 30 points? They blew the Buffalo Bills out the water in 2018 in an absolute monsoon at home. They beat the brakes off of the Bills in 2018. They go to Miami and they put up 50 points against the hap, what turned out to be the hapless uh, Miami Dolphins. And then, and then here at home, back at home in Baltimore in front of no fans they put up 38 points and they don't and they don't allow and they don't allow Cleveland to uh, score double digits uh Baker Mayfield was terrible in the game 21 for 39 through for 189 passing yards a touchdown through an interception they kept Kareem Hunt in check they couldn't keep the running game in check when they lost to uh Cleveland in September of tw- of 2019 they couldn't keep uh Cleveland's running game in check they did in this game they also what a phenomenal job that defense Jarvis Landry had five receptions 61 receiving yards uh David Njoko scored the uh Browns only touchdown in the game uh, they missed the extra point. We'll get to the Browns kick a little bit later on. They held Odell to three receptions, 22 receiving yards. 
uh, and they forced fumbles. The Cleveland Browns fumbled the football three times. They turned it over twice. Nick, Nick Chubb lost the fumble, and Jamie Gilligan lost the fumble. So three turnovers the, uh, the Cleveland Browns committed. And you got to give phenomenal credit to that Ravens defense that I told you, you know, they're going to be hungry. They're going to they're going to be pissed off and they're and they are a team with a mission and a cause. And that cause is to prove to America that this is a You know, they've heard. I guarantee you every single one of those guys in that locker room has heard has heard enough of Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, blah, 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 blah. I, I guarantee you they've heard enough. So, and their mission this season, you know, when it was clear that we were going to have an NFL season, their mission is, you know what, is to be down Raymond James Stadium, Tampa, Florida, playing in Super Bowl 55 for their third for their third Super Bowl championship. Uh fourth in the fourth for the city of Baltimore, three as the Baltimore Ravens franchise. Uh but what a phenomenal job by that defense. They gave Baker Mayfield hell all afternoon. Uh again, he- held their weapons, Odell, Chubb, uh Kareem Hunt. They held them all in they held them all in check. Uh Landry as well. What a phenomenal job by that Baltimore Ravens defense. Which you expected, you know. I have you know, I picked Cleveland go nine and seven, make the playoffs as a wild card team, and I am still holding on to that because a matter of time these guys have to wake up and kinda have to feel a sense of urgency. It's a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. But you know th- these guys, and I, and I'm still holding on to that to that prediction nine and seven making the playoffs. But the Cleveland Browns, I mean, could you give me a little bit more than than one touchdown, please? And and I understand the Ravens' offense is dynamic as this and that and the other. But gee whiz, you know, well, watch watch some watch some film from the playoff loss against January, will you please? And and, and look and see how the how the Titans stop them. I mean, my goodness gracious, it's like the Ravens never missed a beat. I mean, Lamar Jackson had only five incompletions all day through for 275 and three touchdowns ran 45 ran for 45 uh yards on the ground the Ravens leading rusher in that game and uh, which I liked because I said I said last week I said what I really want to see from Lamar Jackson is to I said it on this show and I said it to my brother and sister you know before the game started I want to see Lamar Jackson prove to America that he can win a game with his arm you know, and and it and it doesn't get talked about as much, and it should be. You know, we all get it that Lamar Jackson is a freak of nature and is essentially Michael Vick when it comes to his ability, when it comes to his playmaking abilities as far as running the football is concerned. But you know, let me. See, I want to see Lamar Jackson prove to America that he can win a game, win a football game, and make big plays in in drives in the game with his arm. And he certainly proved that. He only ran the ball. He only ran the ball for what? He only ran the ball seven times for forty for forty five yards. Yes, he averaged over five yards a carry. But, you know, and they didn't run the ball that much either. You know, Mark Ingram only had 10 carries for 29 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 7 carries for 22 yards. So it was a great, and he threw the ball 25 times. But, you know, five, only five incompletions, three touchdowns, and he was about 15 yards away from throwing for over 300 yards. So it's a phenomenal job by Lamar Jackson, who said, who went out and did what I wanted him to do, and that's prove to prove to himself and then prove to America that he can go out there and win and win play and not win playoff games, win football games with his arm, which he did, and I give him all credit in the world for that because he did a fantastic, fantastic job on Sunday.
fantastic. He, he was amazing on Sunday. Went out there, went out there, made some uh, made some nice passes down the field, converted on third downs, put the ball in the end zone. Phenomenal catch by uh, by Andrews. Uh, you know, you can Lamar probably if he probably overthrew it a little bit, but boy, what a one-handed catch by Mark Andrews that he made in the first half, one-handed. Oh, what a phenomenal catch that was! But again, you know, I guarantee the Ravens, and they won't come out and publicly say this because you know, Reed is uh, you know, Harbaugh was Reed's protege up in uh, up in Philadelphia, but I guarantee you, Harbaugh, Lamar, whole crew. Is sick and tired of hearing Lamar. Is sick and tired of hearing Mahomes this, Mahomes that. You know, Chiefs this, Chiefs that. You know, and talk about potential Chiefs dynasty. The Ravens like hell. Ain't there gonna be no dynasty? Not while we're still standing here. So they went out there and they're gonna and they're going to play us. They are going to play with the cost this football season. You can bet. You can bank. You can bet the house on that. They're gonna play hard. They're gonna play physical. They're gonna play pissed off. And they're gonna play with the cost. Lamar Jackson had an excellent football game on Sunday. Excellent. And he went out there and he proved that he can win games with his arm, which in the playoff time, when teams are going to have that QB spy on to make sure that Lamar doesn't go, uh, you know, 10 carries for 80 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the ground, they they made, you know, Lamar went out there and proved that when when he ha- when he wants to, when he has to, he can win games with his arm, which I like because as great as Lamar Jackson is as far as being a mobile running quarterback, the guy, the guy is no slouch as far as his uh, his uh, throwing abilities are concerned. So the Ravens took care of business against the Cleveland Browns, who stink. And it, I mean, my goodness gracious! I mean, I understand that the Ravens, you know, they got a hell of a defense, and you know, Super Bowl Fifty Five is on their mind while Cleveland is trying to, you know, put together their goal is to put together a winning season and get one of those wild card spots and make it into the AFC playoffs. But if you're Cleveland, you cannot go into Baltimore and get and get the brakes beaten off of you, thirty eight to six. You you cannot go into halftime down twenty down twenty four to six. Score one touchdown in the first half and then do nothing for three quarters. I mean, I get it. It was Kevin Stefanski's first, you know, day at the office, so to speak, with his first game as Cleveland Browns head coach. But you got to do a little bit better than that. I mean, that that was that was that was embarrassing, embarrassing. But hopefully Cleveland at least stinks up the joint for one more game as they go on as they will play my Cincinnati Bengals within the next couple of days on Thursday night while the Ravens go on the road. Uh, and play the Houston Texans for their home opener on uh, Sunday at 4:30 on CBS. Uh, the second game of uh, the second uh, nice performance from Sunday was uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Uh, who and you know if you would have told me that these two teams would have combined for uh, for uh, se- for 77 points, I would have I would have said what. You know, and I get it. You know, the Vikings have a uh, they lost some firepower, of course, because they lost digs to the uh, to the Bills. But if you would have told me that, you know, with no preseason, no this, no that, you know, come right out there, uh, hot off the stove, and combine for seventy seven points in a week in a week one game, I, I would have told you. I would have told you you're crazy. You know, because I, you know, if you paid attention to my picks, I only picked one team to score over thirty points, and that was Kansas City, which they did. But I did not expect for seventy-seven points to get to to be 
put up on the scoreboard between these two teams. Aaron Rodgers had an impeccable day, you know, and I told y'all this. He wasn't going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He is going to play with a boulder. Aaron Rodgers does not like, you know, he can say whatever he wants to admit it, whatever. You, 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 can, you can bet the house on this. Aaron Rodgers does not like it one bit that the, that the Packers use their first round pick on Jordan Love. That's the, if you know anything about, he does, he does not like that one bit and who can blame him? You know, and he's going to go out there with this. And I nearly, and and it's funny, I nearly considered Aaron Rodgers to be, I considered to pick Aaron Rodgers for MVP because I had a feeling something like this would happen. Now, if you're Mike Zimmer, who's a defensive coach anyway, you cannot, and I get it, uh, Daniel, uh, whatever his name is, was out for the, uh, off the, um, the, um, the defensive lineman for the for the uh, for the Vikings. I understand he was out with that game, but you cannot let Aaron Rodgers, you know, as having it be his first football game since you know his first act. His and I'm not even this ain't even hyperbole. Literally his first game action since the championship game back in January. You cannot let him go 32 for 44, 364 passing yards, four touchdowns and don't even and not even get an interception. If the guy's going to throw the ball over 30 times, you at least at least got to make him throw an interception. But he was perfect. 32 for 44, 364 passing yards and four, and four touchdown passes. Guy throws the ball over 35 times, you at least got to come away with an interception, a forced fumble on a sack, sack something. But you know, but that's a bad job by by uh, by uh, Mike Zimmer and his defense. Terrible job, terrible job. The only fumble in the game was Aaron Jones, and they and they and the uh, Packers regains possession on it. Aaron Jones also had 16 carries, 66 yards, and ran for a touchdown. Devontae Adams, what a day he had! 14 receptions, 156 uh, receiving yards, and two touchdown receptions. But you can't. But boy, I told you, Aaron Rodgers, a boulder, not a chip, a boulder on his shoulder and he went out there on the road and proved it with a with a four touchdown with the, with throwing for four touchdowns on Sunday and that and just on that alone is why the Packers are going to be is, is going to be a good football team just on that alone Aaron Rodgers that you want to talk about motivation that guy will be fuming and will be foaming at the mouth for every opponent that's on that's that's on the Packers schedule to go out there play his ass off and and to essentially put up numbers like he did on Sunday. Four touchdowns over 350 yards passing. And 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 no and no interceptions as well. That's Green Bay's story. What is the Eagles story is uh was not good. Uh a choking what well, I mean choking a 17 point lead against uh you know again like I said I'm until they get a real name you know, like a real, like actual name to me, they're the Washington Redskins. And, don't sit up, and I'm not sitting up here trying to be, look, we call them the Redskins for for, 100, for hundreds of years. All of a sudden, you know, the Washington football team, and that's what we're going to call. They've been known as the Washington Redskins since the 1930s. I mean, all of a sudden, we're going to call them the Washington football team. Now, I'm going to give me a break. It's, it's the same thing that bothers me, and I hate to get off on a little tangent here, but it's the same thing that bothers me when people... 
you know, how white people all of a sudden are afraid to refer to black people as black people. Yeah, they got to give me the they got to give me the overly politically correct African-American like y'all the same. Yeah, not, you know, I'm not speaking personally, but to the masses, y'all were the same. Y'all the ones that that invented the N word and 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 chose that word for us. Now all of a sudden, you want to be special and call it and call us African American? No, we don't get offended if you call us black. Please, as as long as as long as ape or monkey isn't at the end of it. If you call us black, we're black. We call each other black. Black ain't racist. Ain't any racial slur. Call us black. Enough with the African American bulljive, will you please? And not not so much of a serious light with this one. You know, we called them the Redskins for hundreds for eighty something years. All of a sudden, now Washington Redskins is all of a sudden it's uh it's it's against the Ten Commandments. So again, my policy on this show is until they get a real team name and football team, Washington football team is not a team name. They're the Washington Redskins until they get an actual name. But but having said all that. The Philadelphia Eagles, what a, what, oh my goodness gracious, choking a 17-point lead, 17-point lead, scored 17 points in the first half and did nothing, nothing in the second half. Carson Wentz, he has, again, the Philadelphia Eagles have to give him an offensive line. Granted that, you know, and and their offensive line and their offensive line stinks is going to get Wentz killed by week, by week five. But you cannot. Carson Wentz has to play better. I'm sorry. You know, I understand that, you know, that he doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to work with. You know, his wide receivers were injured to a uh, were injured to a pulp last year, having to throw to having to throw to that white side guy and a bunch of guys off the practice squad. I understand all that. But my good, but my goodness gracious, you, you, you have to. You have to play better than that. 24 for 42. 20, 24 for 42 and throwing two interceptions and fumbling the ball twice and losing one of them is not championship football. I'm sorry. Carson Wentz, I understand he doesn't have a hell of a lot to work with with as far as weapons is concerned. I understand that it's, you know, that it's Zach Ertz and uh, Deshaun Jackson that's whose better days as an Eagle are, you know, back when Andy Reid was his coach and Donovan McNabb was his quarterback. I understand all that. But for the love of God, you a you got to protect the football, which he did not do. Again, fumbled the ball twice, two turnovers. Uh, you know you can't you can't put the ball in, into the other team's hands three three four times and expect to and expect to walk away with the victory. Especially especially with with uh, especially when you're going up against a team whose defensive line, granted the Eagles' offensive line stinks, but the defensive line played played excuse me played pretty freaking good. Okay. You go back and you look at the uh, at the uh, at Washington's um, how Washington did, uh, you know, sack wise. Let's 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 look at this here, okay? Ryan Kerrigan, what a, what a performance! What a performance he had, okay? He got to the quarterback. He got to the quarterback. Uh, he got to the quarterback twice, okay? John Bostic got a sack. Matthew Ioannidis also got to the quarterback, and Chase Young got to the quarterback, okay? So you can't, so I, I understand that, you know, the offensive line is uh, is not the Eagles' strong suit right now, but you cannot let all these guys get to, you can't have Ioannidis, Bostic, 
Kerrigan, who's who's a, who's a stud, and then that first round, and then that first uh, first round pick in uh, Chase Young. Get, you can't, you can't, and they, and even if they do, you got to protect the football, Carson Wentz. You you can't fumble twice, and you can't throw two in. A, you can't, you just can't do it. And expect to win games. You can't do it. You know, especially when they're going up against a team that has a coach that's got a little bit of moxie with him. You know. And I, I, t- I told Brendan this on the phone on Sunday, and who will join us uh, on a Saturday's show. I told him, I said, you know, if Jay Gruden's, if Jay Gruden is your head coach, if Jay Gruden was your coach on Sunday, you guys aren't winning that game, you know. But, but it's the fact that that they have a new face in there, they have a new coach in there who's gonna, you know, who's gonna who who's played NFL football on defense for one thing. And who you know who who's coached in the Super Bowl? He's he's going to give his team a little bit extra oomph that they need to get them over the top. That's going to give them a little bit extra oomph. That's going to drive them and to help them win football games. You know, Jay Groom's the coach. The, you know, the uh, the the Redskins aren't winning that game under any circumstances. They're not. He goes in. He goes in there. They're motivated by the fact that their coach is, you know, fighting cancer while coaching football teams. Dwayne Haskins came out, who was not great, by the way. I'll get to him in a minute. But <clears throat> excuse me, came out and had a nice speech, you know, at the uh, at halftime in the locker room. And they went out there and they and they, uh, and they played their asses off, and they came back and they deserved to win the football game. Now, Dwayne Haskins, who stinks, you know, my uh, Coach Iverson's hot stuff. He's sitting up here trying to tell me, and, I, and let me read you these text messages. Sitting up here and trying to tell me that, you know, trying to tell me that because I think that the Bengals will win about six, seven games, seven and nine to be exact. He's giving he's give me hella crap. Well, you lost to the Chargers' worst team in your division. Well, hold on now, okay? First off, Joey Bosa is a stud. That defense is nothing to play with, and Anthony Lynn is a good coach, okay? And I did, and again, it wasn't like I predicted the, uh, I didn't predict the Bengals to blow them out. I expect, I picked it to be a, 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 a close game. So he's sitting up here texting me left and right after, you know, Randy Bullock missed a, uh, missed a 31 yard field goal that, uh, my man Josh Knapp over there down at VMI could have made missing a, and then talk about we pulling a calf muscle pulling a hamstring. So, okay. What, let's see what I picked the Bengals to win that game 20. I picked the Bengals to win by a touchdown. Okay. 20, 21 to 13. And you know what? Had Joe Burrow not overthrow AJ Green in the third, what was that? The third or the fourth quarter? Had not Joe Burrow overthrow overthrew AJ Green on an easy touchdown, you know, midway through the third quarter. Had not Burrow overthrown AJ, that game is pretty much 21-13. So if they don't have to, if the Bengals don't have to settle for a field goal because Burrow overthrows AJ, who was wide open in the end zone midway through the third quarter, the Bengals win that game. The the drive and Bullock missing the field goal and the AJ Green offense, that's irrelevant. So we, so we could have, we could have, we, we had, we had, we should have won that game 9,000 different ways. Okay. And it, and the worst team in that division, I mean, it's only week one, but I mean, you never know. But it is, the Chargers were no slouch, okay? The Chargers were no At least we beat the defending East champs. Okay, coach, the you and I both know that the Philadelphia Eagles, there's not a chance in hell that 
Hell, there's not even a chance that any of those four teams out of the NFC East are winning or let alone are Super Bowl contenders. I don't care what what Dallas. I'm not Dak Prescott can't win big can't uh, win big games on the road. And I understand everyone was waxing poetic about Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. It wasn't going up against the fearsome force, and I'll get to the Cowboys loss in a minute. But again, Cowboys, uh uh-uh, uh, red red uh uh-uh. uh uh, and uh, Giants, <clears throat> definitely not. You know, they play hard, but that team still stinks. And then, of course, the Eagles, not a chance. Okay, the offensive line is pathetic. Carson Wentz might be, might be, might be a little overrated. And 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 they're always injury prone. So, please, defeat. you want a cookie because you beat the Philadelphia Eagles that essentially were handed the division title because of the, because of the Cowboys and Jason Garrett's incompetence. Congratulations, Coach. Your, your trophy and your, and your championship banner will be in the mail, and we'll get to you in a couple of weeks. I mean, you give me all this crap. Uh, give me all this crap. Okay, Tyrod Taylor did not win that game for the Chargers. What won the game for the Chargers was the Bengals' mis- turnovers and mistakes in their defense. Their defense... The defense and our and our lack of ability to stop the uh, to stop the Chargers on the run and our turnovers is the reason why the Chargers won that game. Okay, the Chargers not win that game because of Tyrod Taylor. And don't sit up here and tell me that well we're a six and seven win team. No, you're not. No, you're not. Okay, the Eagles' offensive line is horrendous. Carson Wentz did not play all that great, and your quarterback stinks. You want you want me to read your stat line? Here's here's a Haskins stat line in case you were interested. Dwayne Askins, and this is not now. Granted, Bro didn't look good on a stat line either, but my, but Bro at least, at least, at least had a nice drive at the end of that game to put the Bengals on the doorstep of of winning the football game. Dwayne Haskins was seventeen for thirty-one with one hundred and seventy-eight passing yards. Okay, that that ain't necessarily anything uh, to uh, to write to write home about. I'm coach. I'm sorry. Okay, Dwayne Haskins. I know it's only one game. But right, Dwayne Haskins is not is as of not better than Joe Burrow. I'm sorry, you know Joe Burrow has 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 a uh, has a higher ceiling than Dwayne Haskins. Okay, 17 for 31, and I get it that Eagles secondary was good in the game, but 17 for 31, 178 passing yards against the Philadelphia Eagles isn't necessarily something to write home about. I'm sorry, and the idea that the Redskins going to be better than the Bengals is hogwash. Okay, the Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, who you taking? Okay, Joe Mixon or Antonio Gibson? Who are you taking? Okay, Terry McLaur- Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims against uh, against T. Higgins, a healthy A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. Who are you taking? Who are you taking? So I again, coach has has to wake up and has to quit giving the Bengals again. Could have won that game nine thousand different ways. Okay, the charge you can make the argument that the Chargers didn't beat the Bengals. The Bengals beat the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be a, are going to be a competitive football team. Okay, they they're, they're going to be good. They're not going to be not going to be scrubs. They're not going to be slouches. Okay, and Bro put together a nice drive at the end of that at the end of that game. Nice drive, nice drive, and and again he he is lost lost. If he if he thinks that his team's winning six and seven six and seven wins, lost, lost. Okay, the Eagles blew. It was more about the Eagles blowing the game than Redskins winning it. I'm sorry, and Dwayne and you and, you, and Dwayne Haskins really, really, 
I mean, I, I, say, dare I say you might be better. If you won one six, seven games, here's what you do. You bench Haskins and you put in Alex Smith. Come on, coach. Get a clue. Will you please get a clue? Second, or excuse me, uh, um, th- fourth thing. Okay, the Buffalo Bills are going to be a good football team. You can tell watching that game that Josh Allen, again, he's got to he's got to do a better job of protecting the football. He can't, you know, he can't uh, cough the ball up when he decides to tuck it and run as much as he does. But he, but Josh Allen, you can tell. I mean, you can, you can, you saw that all of last year. You especially saw that in the Cowboy game on Thanksgiving. Josh Allen, Josh Allen's got guts and he's got heart. Okay, he is not, he is not the type of quarterback that's going to throw in the towel. You know, when things aren't going his way, this guy is going to fight tooth and nail to make sure that he puts, that he puts his team in the best position to win. He was thirty-three for forty-six, throw for three hundred and twelve yards. In the air, two touchdowns passing, ran, uh, had 14 carries for 57 rushing yards and a touchdown. And Stephon Diggs had a decent, you know, it was more, this game was more about Josh Allen and the Jets spitting the bit than it was about, than it was about anybody else. But J- the Bills are going to be a very good football team. I still think the Patriots are going to win the division by a game because, you know, they, ha- because the Patriots have the hoodie and Buffalo Bills have Sean McDermott. But, and plus the Patriots has been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Uh, but the Buffalo Bills are going to be a very, very, very good and a very competitive football team. Pick them. One of the three AFC teams I picked to go to the playoffs. They're going to be. They're going to be a very good football team. Very good football team. That team. That team especially. But it's all. But Josh Allen is 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 the main guy here. This guy plays with heart. He plays with guts. And he that kid that kid. He's got a lot of heart and a lot of fight in him, which 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 you like to see. But he has has to take care of the football when you know when he decides to tuck and run. You know he had a costly fumble earlier, in, you know in the, in the you know this past Sunday. But he's got a lot of heart and he's got a lot of fight in him. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you gotta like Josh Allen. You know is he uh, is he uh, Aaron Rodgers? No, but he 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 gets he gets the job done and he and he does not. You know he's not the type of person that's gonna go down for the count easily, which which you like. He's got fight in him. Cam Newton and his New England Patriots debut. Okay, Cam Newton played. Uh, you know he did. He didn't. He didn't blow you away as far as his stat sheet is concerned. But he but he played one hell of a football game for it being his first game back in you know in quite a long in quite a long time. Okay, the Patriots won twenty-one eleven. That defense still—I understand it was the Miami Dolphins, but that defense is still is still going to be a a, a top fifteen defense in the NFL. You know, Stephon Gilmore had an interception in the game. But, I mean, what phenomenal job by the New England Patriots. Cam threw the ball only ni- only nineteen times, had four completions, fourteen for, excuse me, fifteen ni- for nineteen, hundred fifty-five passing yards, but he ran for two touchdowns and was fifteen carries, seventy-five yards. So you know, so they're gonna have to, and so they're gonna have to get, you know, Edelman, Michelle, guys like that. They're gonna have to, uh, they're gonna have to uh, improve their performance as the season goes along. But for Cam Newton having it be his first game back on a, playing, you know, on a new team with a cause, you know, the first game that the Patriots have had to play without Tom Brady on the roster since uh, since and you know in twenty years, a phenomenal job. 
by uh, Bill Belichick and Cam Newton coming away with the Week One win against the Mi- against the uh, Miami Dolphins. So all kudos goes to Cam Newton. Happy for him. Played uh, you know again didn't blow away with the stat sheet, but you can tell that Cam Newton's presence in that game was felt, and he was one of the uh, leading causes in the Patriots' victory. The guy that uh, Cam Newton had to replace was Tom Brady, and boy did Tom Brady get a taste of uh, the uh, the NFC. Uh, be, you know this. This is not a this not your little weak AFC, Tommy, where uh, you, where you play slouches in the Chargers. You know, again playing slouches against the Chargers, the Raiders, uh, and then the hapless Miami Dolphins, the Jets, who haven't done a freaking thing since the late '60s, and uh, what's when what once what once was the hapless Buffalo Bills, and uh, you know, and the Cleveland Browns, and. Uh, and uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, you know, name all, name all the uh, the bad or the mediocre AFC teams that when they would play Tom Brady and the Patriots wouldn't put up much of a fight. Okay, the, you know, this is the NFC now, the big boys. You know, and they they and they they put up a fight, and boy, did the did the did the Saints put up a fight on Sunday? My goodness gracious. I mean, the game was 34-23, but it honestly, it wasn't even that close. They scored a touchdown in garbage time. Who cares? But uh, what what a phenomenal performance. And again, I, and, I said this, and I said the same thing when I was watching that game. I said, look, you can't expect to put together all these outside pieces, Brady, Gronk, Fournette, Put them, you know, Gronkway hadn't played in a year. Brady, it's his first time having to learn a new system in 20 years, and and he's up there in age. Leonard Fournette, who, granted, it's a running back, so it's a little different, but he's been he's been in and out the loop as far as playing on a consistent basis is concerned. And he and again, the the uh, the Bucks signed him what a, about a, about a week and a half ago. So you cannot expect you cannot expect to plug in all these outside pieces with limited training camp and off-season activity, no preseason, and expect to get on the field against one of the better against one of the best teams in the NFC and 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 all of a sudden expect it to uh, to flow and gel like a uh, like a like your Madden Ultimate team. It's not video games, it's not fantasy football, it's real life. You know, this real world, real NFL, okay? It doesn't work like that. You can't plug in all these outside pieces and expect for them magically to, to gel overnight. It's not going to work that way. And and that is the number one takeaway I got from this game. Miscommunication between Brady and his receivers. Receivers not running the right routes. Brady messing up the timing, turning over the football, which is something that he... That he doesn't do on um, you know it's turn throwing two interceptions or something in a game that Tom Brady he 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 rarely ever does, but you know and Tom Brady did not play a uh, Hall of Fame goat worthy football game, was twenty three, was twenty three for thirty six two hundred thirty nine uh passing yards two touchdowns and two interceptions okay and Fournette only had five carries for five yards, again. You gotta again, and, the, and this team will be good, and eventually they will gel together, and eventually they'll start getting into the flow and into the, into the swinging swing of things. The more practice time they get, and and as the season carries on, but again, 
all those out you can't plug in all those outside pieces and expect them to uh and expect everything to be sugar and sugar and spice and everything nice week one against one of the best teams in the NFC okay if they, if they were if they were playing if they were playing the Giants if they were playing um you know the Detroit Lions Chicago Bears different story but the but the fact that they played that they opened up the season against one of the best teams in the in the NFC it is it's it's you is they are going to be exposed it's just the it's just the fact that man they are going to be exposed brady did not play did brady did not play great you know he he looked he was off he was rushed it was like it was like a uh it was like culture shock essentially you know having to play against against nfc competition which for the majority of brady's career has been the more dominant conference as far as as far as as far as uh better teams are concerned you know even though you know the AFC's won plenty of uh, Super Bowl championships the NFC is more of the competitive hard-nosed conference where you know outside of the Seattle Seahawks you haven't had a uh you haven't had an NFC team repeat to go to the Super Bowl since um I believe since 1996 97 with the Packers if I'm, yeah because 98 or excuse me 90 yeah 96 97 with the Packers 98 it was Atlanta 99 it was the Rams 2000 was the Giants 2001 was the Rams 2002 it was the Bucks 3 it was the Eagles no wait 3 it was the Panthers 4 it was the Eagles 5 it was the Seahawks 6 it was the Bears Seven, it was the Giants. Eight, it was the Cardinals. Nine, it was the so yeah. So outside of the Seahawks, you haven't had a team repeat in the NFC since the '96 and 1997 Green Bay Packers. You haven't had a team repeat as NFC champions in the NFC since out outside of the 2013-2014 Seattle Seahawks. So it's a more dot. It's more of a hard nosed, more competitive division. Where you know where you're gonna have a different where more times than not you're gonna have a different team representing the NFC in the Super Bowl every year, but Tom Brady got a taste of that. You know, you know they were not they were not great miscommunication, receivers dropping passes, uh, turning over the football. It was it was not a pretty performance for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, and again it's, again when when did we christen? Bruce Arians to be some sort of a uh, an all-time NFL uh, offensive guru. I mean, come on. So he got a little taste of what life is like in the NFC South. So it's a good little piece of humble pie for Tom Brady. And whenever Tom Brady looks like a fool on a football field and gets fed a piece of humble pie, it's always a good. It's always a good thing. Last thing, then I'll get to a break and end this long monologue, and I'll get to the Bengals and get to some other things. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. With their uh, Sunday night loss against the Rams, okay, you got to uh, you got to okay. I understand that Jalen Ramsey's one of the highest paid players, and he uh, is one of the highest paid players as far as corners it can, is concerned in the NFL. I understand that uh, that Aaron Donald is Deacon Jones, but you cannot, under any circumstances, go up against a go with all that with all that offensive firepower and score seventeen points. I'm sorry. You know, you yeah, you, you when you have a head coach that uh, yeah, when you have a head coach that coaches Aaron Rodgers, so uh, he had a head coach that coached Aaron Rodgers, you know, in his previous spot in Green Bay, 
you, you know, and you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have Amari Cooper, who's a decent wide receiver, and then you draft CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, who isn't a slouch either. You got to do more than put up 17 points on the board. Again, I understand that, you know, Aaron Donald was uh, was was Deacon Jones in the game, but you got to do more than that. I'm sorry. Seven, 17 points on the road week one is not going to cut it. I'm sorry. And, you know, and if the Cowboys by somehow, someway end up missing the playoffs, whether they're not winning the division, which they should do, but if they don't win the division, don't get a wild card spot, whatever the case might be, you would, you're going to look back, you know, when there's uh, three feet of snow outside and you're wearing your, uh, your Christmas sweater, uh, sipping hot eggnog, going over uh, the, uh, the playoff implications for the NFL, you know, uh, uh, 10 days out from Christmas, you're going to look back, you know, and the Cowboys need a little help to make it into the, uh, into the playoffs. You're going to look back at, uh, on September 13th when they, uh, when they only, when they only managed to score 17 points, uh, two touchdowns, 17 points against a, uh, against an LA Ram team that uh, wasn't exactly, um, you know, not again, not the fearsome force. Well, I understand Aaron Donald is a great talent, but again, he, but again, you got, you got to do better than 17 points on the road. And again, Dak Prescott, I don't care what Skip Bayless says. I'm not interested. Dak Prescott, very overrated, especially because he does not play well on the road. 25 for 39, 266 passing yards and one touchdown pass is not going to cut it. You know, Zeke, Zeke had a decent game for once in his life, but you got you got to do better than put up 17 points on the board. Defense did all it could. Defense did all it could do, but you got to do better than put up 17 points. Okay, I don't like the fact that they went for it on fourth and three, down three with 11:45 left in the fourth quarter. I don't like the idea of going for it when you're down when you're down by you know when you're down by a field goal where a field goal ties the game. Take your points, guys. Please, you you have in that situation you have to take your points. You have to because you what you, what you don't need is the Rams to get the ball is to is to stop you on that fourth down, go down the field, and then and then score a touchdown and all of a sudden you're down two possessions instead of one. Okay, take your points. I it's again. Fourth and inches, fourth and one, I understand. Fourth and three, down by three, chip shot field goal. Take your points and let's move on, please. I mean, you, you got Greg the Leg Zerline from the from the Rams for a reason. Use them, okay? I don't like the idea of going for it. Fourth and three, down three with plenty of football left, 11.45 in the fourth quarter to be exact. But also, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, why and if that's your preconceived not preconceived but if you already have made that made it made it up in your mind in your head if you're McCarthy if you're the Prescott if you're the offensive uh, coordinator for the Cowboys if you're if that's already if that's already a given why pass first on third down and then run on fourth or excuse, or excuse me, I got it backwards. Why run on third and then call a pass play on fourth and three out of the shotgun? Why, why, why do that? If you if you do decide to go for it, which I vehemently disagree with, what you do first is you pass on is you pass on first down so you can get yourself to maybe a fourth and one fourth and inches. You you, you go in an eye form or a tight formation. You give Zeke the ball or you have Prescott keep it and you get the first down that way. Why why run first and then pass? At no less out of a shotgun formation. 
short field inside the red zone on fourth and three. I, I don't understand that. But me personally, I would I would have kicked the field goal to tie the game up. That's just me. I as tight as tight and as close of a defensive battle that game was, I would have I would have taken my points and and trusted the defense to go out there and stop Goff, which they did because they ended up getting the ball back with about two thirty ish left in the game. And and Prescott again overrated. He's got to take more deep shots down the field. Okay, Green. You know, if you learn anything from how Burrow had to drive, okay, Burrow was not a was not afraid to throw the ball into tight windows to you know to get to get a big time uh, chunk plays. Okay, Prescott. It was more of a, you know let's just keep you know let's keep you know he's more or less. Of any positive yardage is good yardage, no matter if it's a three-yard pass play, a five-yard pass play, whatever it is. Good positive yardage is good yardage. Not not keeping in mind that you know, and and when Burrow's case, the Bengals had no timeouts in that game. Cowboys had one, about the same amount of distance. So let me get this straight: Burrow and his first ever NFL game action of any kind preseason, he's able to drive. He's able to drive the Bengals down the field. And the Cowboys can't. And Burrow is making nickels and pennies compared to what Prescott's making. And Prescott is the same guy that that wants that wants a hundred million dollars. And he and he can't and he can't be more assertive as far as taking chances down the field on that last drive. Put putting the Cowboys in a position to tie the game up or possibly win it. I mean, it's it's literally the identical set of circumstances. The only difference is that the Cowboys were the road team, Bengals were the home team, and the Cowboys had a timeout. But it's the same circumstances. Burrow took the Bengals, you know, to the doormat of of walking out there with the win or tying the game up, forcing it to overtime. Burrow can do that, and Prescott can't, and Prescott's the same one that's wanting all this money. Please. You gotta take more chances down the field, and the chances you do take down the field can't be it can't be that one time to Michael Gallup down the field. I'm sorry, you you got you gotta give me. I'm not saying go for it all, hail Mary, but you gotta but you gotta at least once or twice attempt to get it for attempt to get yourself a 15, 25 yard pass play down the field. You have to. And if you want to go with your way, if you want to go the short Deacon dunk passes underneath. You can't throw them in the middle of the field. Got to get to what you got to throw the ball towards the sideline so you can so you can preserve as much time as possible. He's throwing these Deacon dunk passes in the middle of the field, so there's no huddling and f- trying to save that timeout so they get to the to, to so they can use that timeout when they get to the Rams side of the fifty. But when he's throwing these little Deacon dunk passes for you know three four yards. And there, and you and you look up at the clock, and the clock's coming up on a minute fifteen left, and you're not even at the rant, and you're not even at your own forty-five yard line yet. That's a problem. So if you're gonna go short, you gotta go towards this hot sideline, which the bang, which the Bengals and Burrow did. Cowboys did not. And again, Cowboys also gotta be more assertive with your play calling. You gotta, you know, you can't take one shot down the. You can't go all or nothing. You gotta. You got to at least, I'm not saying Hail Mary again, but you got to do more than a little Deacon dunk passes and one shot down the field is to Michael Gallup. You can't do it. 
And that and by and for the record, that wasn't offensive pass interference either. Okay, J Jalen Ramsey sold that. That was not that on, on no circumstance that was offensive pass interference. Not a chance. And if it was by the letter of the law, the refs once again gotta stay out of the game and let the and let the game be decided by the players on the field. Because they would because if you look at it, it was equal hand fighting both ways. And 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 Gallup got one little nudge in there and Ramsey fell back and then sold it. So that that that's your week one re- recap. Take it for what it's worth. Take a break. Long monologue. I apologize for that, but take a break. I'll get to Joe Burrow's debut as a Bengal coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Amatella Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to my Cincinnati Bengals, who, ugh, it, <laughs> it was such a, uh, it was a good football game, but oh my goodness gracious, what did did it hurt? And and and, and honestly, it felt, it felt like a playoff game. It it felt like a playoff game with the level of disappointment and how. Surprisingly, but not surprisingly, pissed off I was at the end of it. You know, when uh, when when Bullock and I'll break down the game in a minute, but when Bullock missed the field goal, I literally stood there and 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 didn't say a word. The, my brother and sister watching it, whether they were screaming and laughing, they found it hilarious and everything else. But I literally stood there and was just pissed off to the highest order. And I walked that out, and the only thing I could do, I I couldn't, you know, I can't break anything, you know, and I and I'm st- and I wanted to say a whole lot of words that I wanted to say, but had self control, self restraint. I I simply just went outside, opened the door, went outside, looked looked up to the sky, and just screamed. And and if you live in this neighborhood, the exact words that I screamed was Randy Bullock, you suck. Yeah, oh my, oh my. You, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, but, you know, I've calmed down now, of course, I've gotten over it, you know, the best, I tell you, the best thing that happened, the best thing that could have happened to the Bengals, as far as their players are concerned, you know, as far as the team, and for the fan base, for our little personal, but the best thing that could have happened is the fact that we play in about a, in a couple of days, 
the best, especially the way that game ended, the best case scenario for us was the fact that we play on Thursday night. And you know, if, if we, if I had to sit on this and chew on this until Monday, or if we, or if ESPN gave us a Monday night game week two instead of week fifteen, oh, I would, I would have been, ugh, I wouldn't. But the best case scenario is that that we play is that we play is that our next game is on Thursday. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. I've I've never looked forward to us being on Thursday night more than 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 when we play the Browns in Cleveland on Thursday. Because my goodness gracious, I mean, I mean, honestly, once I once I like got over once I got over the miss and you know I calmed down or whatever. Sunday night, I'm like, forget Thursday night, y'all. Well, let's 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 play, let's play tomorrow. Like honestly, like I I was ready for the Bills and I was excuse me, I was ready for the Bengals and the Browns to play to play, to, to play Monday, because because I was like, all right, and yeah, we you know what, get back to well, let's win. All right, let's go right now, me and you, let's go. All right, yeah, you know it's it's you know it's, you know it's like it's like it's like losing it. It's like losing in in Madden. Or losing, or it's like it's like losing in Madden, or losing a video game of some sort, or losing one on one, and you lose the game that you feel like you should have won, and after like the and and you lose like a heartbreaking or a gun or a gut punching fashion, and after you get over and after you like get over the sting of it, you turn you gather yourself together. And you look at yourself and you say, you know what? Screw this. You know, next next game right now. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's. You know, it was not. It's not like you know. I can't play. You know, I need some. No, it's like once you get over the sting of how painful the loss was, it's like all right, f this. Let bump. Let let's next one. Let's go right here, right now. Let's go. That and that and that's how that loss felt like. That's how it felt like. You know, I if if. You know, if it was possible, I wish that the Bengals and Browns could have played. They could have played at 2 o'clock in the morning on Monday. I wouldn't have cared. But uh, the, I am so excited for for Thursday's game against Cleveland. But uh, but Bullock has to make that field goal. 31-yard field goal. He made two field goals early in the game that were longer than that. 31-yard field goal, chip shot, you know, to tie the game up to put it in overtime. You know, and who knows what you have to make that kick. You you just have to make that kick, and apparently that leg injury is legitimate. Uh, and I didn't think I didn't think that it was. You know, when he made it, it's like, oh well, this guy's just grabbing his leg just so he can, just so it takes him off the hook for egregiously miss, missing a chip shot, thirty-one yard. I mean, that field goal was shorter than extra point. Extra points, thirty-three yards. This one was thirty-one yards. So I was figuring, oh, he's just grabbing his leg just so it takes himself off the hook for missing a 31-yard field goal that could have tied the game up and sent it in overtime. But it turns out he was actually injured. The Bengals signed the uh, signed the Browns kicker, who who the Browns put on waivers after Sunday's game when he missed an extra point in that game. So should be interesting. And the Browns in return got the uh, the wonderful meme that is the ex Bears kicker Cody Parkey. So if Thursday night's game comes down to a field goal, it's it's going to make for some pretty entertaining uh, television. If the game has to, if on Thursday night that game comes down to a last-second field goal, I hope it doesn't because Cleveland was terrible against the Ravens, like I already mentioned, and I have full-fledged confidence that, that Joe Burrow and the Bengals would do their best to put the game away. And will and when opportunities come for them to put the game away, I trust them that they will put the game away. 
especially because a my Bengals have played well hit not the last not so the last couple of years because the Bengals have because the Browns have been better and the Bengals have been in the toilet but you know in the last back-to-back seasons 2018 2019 but over the last you know over the last 10 years the Bengals have handled business pretty well against the Browns and since they've been playing Thursday night football and they've been putting the Bengals on Thursday night football that's the one prime yeah. Monday night and eh, not so much the last couple of years Monday night Monday night's iffy Sunday night we had we've yet the win on Sunday night football and uh but Thursday night is is where is where my team uh shows up and shows out on the big primetime stages when they get uh get that get that game on NFL network is when my boys uh show up and uh and ball their hearts out but as far as the game as a whole listen the defense played really really well you know defense of course is one you know they got to do a better job of stopping the run which bothered me you know they they let the uh they let the Chargers run for over 100 yards rushing which which annoyed me so they got to do a little better job they got to do a better job of stopping the run but overall and I get it it's an offense led by Tyrod Taylor and they and the running back doesn't exactly have you know they lost Melvin Ingram and the running back doesn't exact you know they don't have Antonio Gates or Ladanian Tomlinson on the roster I get that but the fact that our defense, you know, held held the uh, held the Chargers to only sixteen points is something that you have is something that you have to be proud of. They stopped the Chargers on fourth and short twice on defense. They stopped them twice on fourth down. They stopped them twice. Good goal line stops, which which kept the game close. They stopped them. They they stopped and they uh, they stopped them late in the third, early in the fourth quarter. Which I which I liked, you know. They let the Chargers get all the way down there, and then they come up with a clutch goal line stop inside the Bengals' own five yard line, which I, which I which I liked and which I found uh, promising. So they had so they stopped the Chargers twice on fourth down. They had nice goal line stops, which kept the game close and kept it manageable. And uh, and they and they also stopped the Chargers on third and one late in the fourth quarter to get the ball to to uh, to get the ball back. Which which all which also you like as well, the defense you know again better has to play better against the run, of course, but you know when it comes when it comes to making when it comes to essentially keeping the game intact, and not letting the uh, and not letting the uh, the Chargers put the game away, they did uh, they did a phenomenal job in doing so. Goal line stops stopped them on fourth down twice, and they stopped them. Excuse me. On third and one, late in the fourth quarter, to allow Cincinnati to get the ball back with plenty of time for Burrow and company to put together uh, uh, that last second drive. Uh, as I give you, Tyrod Taylor, sixteen for thirty, two hundred and eight passing yards. Again, nothing to write home about. So good job by them. But all you know, you can't combine for for a hundred for over a hundred and and uh, combine for over one hundred and fifteen hundred and twenty. Uh, rushing yards on the ground. Austin Eckler ran for 84 rushing yards, and Joshua Kelly ran for 60 yards. But receipt, but they kept the receivers in check. Second day did a good job. Um, they we committed a couple penalties, which cost us field position and uh, and just that you don't like to see. Or uh, defensively, we commit we committed a couple of penalties, which you don't like. But defense, all in all, played a pretty good football game. Again, that's not again the Chargers' offense is nothing to write home about. 
but the defense played well and is at least for week one is an improvement for what we saw from them last year. Offense has to do a better job protecting the football. Mixon, Mixon, who never fumbles, had a real costly fumble, which you don't like. He's got to do it, you know, and again, Mixon fumbling, it's like once once every 200 carries he fumbles, but you can't fumble in that situation inside your own territory. And Burrow with the bonehead ass nine interception trying to flip the ball, you know, do a little shuffle pass, and, and, he, and he throws it right into the defender's hands. So Mixon... Again, was a uh, that was that was more random, you know. Again, he can't, you know. I, I don't want it to become a trend now, but but I won't give Mixon a hard time because he never fumbles. But it was a, it was a bad fumble that, that that you can't make in that situation. Game that close, that tight inside your own territory, can't fumble the football there. And Burrow, again, rookie mistake, trying to you know quarterback. Face of the franchise, number one overall pick. Lots of pressure on him. Wants to perform well. Wants to play well. Trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, commits that bonehead interception. But uh, but uh, you know, and he'll and he will learn from that. And I don't think that we will see him make too many of those in his uh, NFL career and within the next uh, next uh, fifteen games the Bengals have on their schedule. Uh, offensive line has to be better. Bobby Hart, especially who I've seen enough of, he's a complete pain in the ass as far as him managing. You know, as far as him being on social media, you know, with uh, with homophobic comments and just just read half of the crap that he posts, and it's like, what the hell are you? What the hell are you doing? So you know, he he again. I don't know if the, if uh, if the coaching is is done with him. I know me. I know I can speak for me. Of course, and the entire and the majority of the Cincinnati Bengals fan base that's seen enough. You know, he's a pain. He doesn't know. You know, he's a distraction on social media. You know, doesn't know how to handle himself. Doesn't know how to act on social. And then he goes out there on Sundays and he completely spits the bed. He lets Joe Burrow get mauled by Joey Bosa and the Chargers' offensive pass rush, or excuse me, defensive pass rush. And he, I mean, he's he's a he's a he's a turnstile is what he is. But the offensive line has to do a better job to protect Burrow because we cannot afford to get him killed under any circumstances. Uh, but again, like I mentioned in the in the monologue, uh, Burrow missed AJ Green for an easy touchdown, wide open midway through the third quarter, and they had to settle for a field goal. But which you know cost him six points. And if the and if Burrow connects AJ for that touchdown. We we might win that we might win that game easy walking away. But Burrow has he has to make he has to hit AJ for that easy touchdown uh, in the third in the halfway through the third quarter. He has to has to has to those are the throws that NFL quarterback you have to make. Burrow was hard on himself in the post game and said and and you can and I'm not getting on him for that. But again, for he he was his toughest critic, which as a Bengals fan you like because this guy holds himself to a high standard and expects nothing but excellence each and every single time he goes out there and plays. Which as a Bengals fan you absolutely love that about him. He you know he he doesn't you know he expects nothing but the best from himself, which you love. But you know he said he said it himself that a high schooler could have could have made that pass and you know. In a tight defensive battle of a football game, that was AJ Green wide open. You gotta, you gotta make that. You gotta make that pass. You gotta, you can't overthrow AJ Green in that situation. He was wide open. The play has to be made. But Burrow had a nice offense. Had a great, great, great 
drive in that game. You know, no timeouts left, two-minute drill, go down there, 80-something yards, made the pass plays needed to be made to Boyd, to Green. A phenomenal job. And that, honestly, the stat line isn't going to tell you that. But, bro, but that – that. The, Hit him with that rushing touchdown he had to put to get to get us some points on the board and that last offensive drive late in the game to put uh, to set up Randy Bullock for him to miss that thirty-one yard field goal. That that's all, that's all you need to know. Burrow is going to be we're in Bengals Bengal my Bengals fans out there listening. If you if you are out there, if the people if we it's, damn it I can't talk to the Bengals fans out there listening. We're in good hands with Joe Burrow as our uh, as our quarterback. We're in good hands, very good hands. And and all and all you needed to know is to watch that offensive drive late. Because if you want anything, if you want anything at all from your from from your quarterback, is for him to go out there down three, three minutes and change left, no timeouts. Is for him to go down in the field, not make a mistake, not turn over the football, have the temperature of his team. Had play with poise and go down there and put his team on the doorstep to win a to win a football game. And then, quite frankly, that's all you can ask for. Um, that's all you can ask for from from an NFL quarterback to put when when it time when it when the opportunity is there to put his team in the best chance to win the game, whether it be or or to tie it with with Bullock in the field goal. And he nearly did win it, had not AJ Green. And I'm not going to yell and scream about that. AJ did get that last push off with with uh, with the defenders inside shoulder. You know when he extend the arm inside shoulder, that was offensive pass interference. I wouldn't have called it, but by leather law it is, and you can clearly see the immediate contact. I'm not going to scream and yell about that. Grant had not Green pushed off. You know, had another penalty been made, Green would have caught the ball, feet and bounds, and the Bengals would have won that game, scored a game-winning touchdown with seven seconds left. The game would have been over. But I'm not going to scream and yell about uh, A.J. Green's offensive pass interference penalty. You know, but, uh, but hey, it's a new game, new week, new team, new opponent on Thursday. I expect nothing but the best from my Cincinnati Bengals. I expect Burrow to learn his lessons and learn from him his, his mistakes he made in week one. I expect the defense to go out there and to and to punish Baker Mayfield and to not let Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt run rampant all over him. I expect them to keep uh, do what the Ravens did and keep Odell and to keep Jarvis Landry in check. I also expect uh, the offensive line to play a little bit better and not let uh, Miles Garrett go crazy on them. And when and when plays are there for them to put the game away or to go out in front, you know, especially in the second half, I expect Burrow and AJ to uh, to connect and and to execute those plays. And uh, and when a game comes down to a field goal, that Browns kicker better damn better damn sure uh, better. Put himself in a situation where it's practice, where it's get himself mentally ready. He better, he better be right there to uh, to make the game telling a game winning kick because uh, I can't, I can't win, I can't go through losing games with kickers missing chip shot field goals that they have to make, you know, egregiously wide to the left or wide to the right. I, I can't have that. I cannot have that. Take a break. We'll get to the hardwood, and that being the Houston Rockets. I've had enough of them. I'll explain after the break.
Welcome back to the I'ma Tell Like a T.I.S. podcast. Switching gears now to the hardwood. And I told y'all this, uh, this I told y'all and I warned y'all this past weekend, I'm going to have something to say about these Houston Rockets who are nothing, let's call it like we see it, okay? Houston Rockets are nothing, as far as a playoff, playing in the playoffs is concerned, they're a complete waste of time. This this team is a complete waste of time. They do nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing in the postseason. Nothing. They got eliminated in case you're living under a rock and not paying attention to the NBA basketball. They lost in five games to the to the Los Angeles Lakers. Lost the lost the conference semifinal series to the Lakers on Saturday night in five games. Okay, and this is not the first time that this team has choked in the playoffs. This team, as far as playing in the playoffs is concerned, does absolutely nothing does not when it comes to playing in the playoffs and since 2013 there's since 2013 this team collectively has not done a damn thing in the postseason not a thing they've they lost they lost uh via a buzzer beater by uh they lost I think it was I think that was the series where Damon Little made that game win in uh three with about an eighth of a second left. They lost in five, they lost in uh six games to the Thunder. Or excuse me, that's the that's the that's the year uh later. I apologize. Um they lost to, they lost in six games to the Thunder in twenty thirteen. They lost in six games to the Trailblazers in 2014. That's when Lillard made the shot. I apologize. Then 2015, they go all the way to the conference finals and lose in five games to the Warriors. 2015, they lose first round to the Warriors again. 2017, they lose to the Spurs in six games. 2018, they get to the doorstep. Okay, and I don't want to hear about James Harden's on the team. When I hear when I hear Daryl Morey go on television and sit up here with with the chutzpah and the with the chutzpah to go on national television and say that James Harden is a better offensive player than Michael Jordan all time, I don't want to hear Chris Paul. Okay, Chris Paul and and Chris Paul's never done a damn thing in a big picture in the postseason of his career either. So I don't want to make a say Chris Paul is all of a sudden a Hakeem Olajuwon. Nonsense, okay? Garbage, okay? When you have James Harden sitting, sitting up there, you know, who who can average 40 points a game, triple-double, and, and make highlight reels out of his opponents in meaningless basketball games in the middle of July, excuse me, middle of July, middle of January, February, March, December, November, where no one's, in, or no one's, you know, no one's watching NBA basketball, especially the Houston Rockets on a night-by-night basis in the middle of a regular season. Season, you know, uh, going up against the the Phoenix Suns, n- no one's interested. Okay, when all the attention comes around the casual basketball fan, the diehard, when it's it's playoff time, and every single time in the playoffs, James Harden, primarily him, because he's been around long enough, and it's his team. You know, the, the fall got to goes on, it goes on him, and he gets it, and he gets into the playoffs, and he doesn't do a damn thing. Okay, twenty third. Okay, you go ahead and you look at his stats in the playoffs. Okay, twenty. 20 let's just let's, let's just go with this year okay and okay let's just go with uh 
I mean, he averages, he average, uh, look, this season, he averaged 34 points in a regular season. And the playoffs, that average drops down to 29 points. 2018, 2019, he averages 36 points. In the playoffs that year, he averaged 31 points. Okay, in 2007, 2018, he averages 30 points. 2017, 2018, he manages 28 points. Okay, okay. he averages more in the regular season than he does in the postseason. Uh, when a from a guy that averages about thirty five points a, points in a in the regular season and he can and he fails muster thirty points in the postseason that is an issue. That's an issue, okay. And LeBron, no excuse, okay. LeBron James just got to the West a couple years ago and 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 they missed the playoffs last year. So I don't want to hear all LeBron garbage, okay, garbage. It's the same story every single year. 2018, they get to the conference finals. I don't want. I understand injuries, but my when I hear James Harden essentially is the, is the greatest basketball player, is the greatest offensive basketball player since Michael Jordan. When I hear that nonsense, and and Chris Paul goes down, I don't want I, no excuses. Okay, no excuses. Okay had a chance to close them out in a game six, and you lost back-to-back games. And in one of the games, the Rockets collectively, as a whole, as a team, missed 27 straight three-point shots. Again, 27 straight three-pointers they lost. Because Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets, who think they're who trying to be cute, who thinks they're trying to essentially, they're, they're, you know what they are? They're, they're the Oakland A's of, of, of basketball, who think they're all cute and smart. They do less and more than anyone else in the sports. They're so gosh darn analytically driven that thinks, you know, if you're not doing it by analytics, you're doing it wrong. They sit up there and they put together these little dopey formulas of how to win bat, how to win games with the Aces winning baseball games, with the Rockets winning basketball games. They put up all these little stupid analytical formulas. They're all what we'll do. We'll, we'll, won't, we will play small ball. We won't have anyone on the court uh, any taller than six foot five will shoot a million threes, and you know, for every for every three we for every uh, three sets of threes we shoot, one of them's gonna go in. So you do the math. You know, you know, you make you make uh, more threes than more. You put up more threes than more twos. Your odds are you're gonna make more threes than you do the twos, so you get more points that way. With, with, with having no regard at the fact that when it comes to playing the game of basketball, you have to put points when they are scored points when they're given to you. You can't sit up here and shoot nine million threes and a paint's wide open. No, get the ball, drive down the court, coast to coast, and take your easy points. Don't be afraid to put up your mid-range jump shot. Don't be afraid to sit here and get and get yourself an easy layup. But no, with the Rockets, always got to do things, you know, the the unorthodox, cute, analytical way. What will shoot nine million threes and hope that they go in, thinking, well, well, if it works for the Warriors, it works for us. No, 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 no. Okay, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson can shoot threes and put the three ball up in their sleep. In their sleep, they can do that. 
but at the same time, they have the guys that can shoot the threes, and they also put guys out on the court that can bully their opponent in the paint. That's the difference. The le- they, ha- they have two guys that can make the three ball in their sleep and are better players than James Harden are, Curry and Thompson. Better players than, than, they- than he is. And have, and have both shown up in the playoffs. Christ, I mean, the the the, uh, the the Warriors were down. The Warriors were essentially looking at uh, lo- looking at losing a championship for for the first time since 2016. Clay Thompson tears his ACL, stays in the game, and makes both of his free throws. So again, enough of the Houston Rockets. They go up. 8 2018 with the golden opportunity to slay the dragon and to move on to the NBA Finals, and they couldn't do it. They put up 27 straight threes and brick every single one of them. They can't beat the Warriors, and they cannot make it to the NBA Finals under any circumstances. They can't beat the Warriors, and they can't get to the Finals. They lost. They've lost to the Warriors twice in the conference finals. They lost in 2015 and then they lost in 2018. Not to mention they got first round exited by them in 2016, and they lost to them last season in the conference semifinals in six games. So enough of the Houston Rockets, okay? Enough of Daryl Morey, the, you know, who who is not who isn't a patch on uh, on Red Arabax's ass, who isn't a patch on Pat Riley's ass, who isn't a patch on Jerry West's ass, okay? Daryl Morey, goodbye, overrated, dude. Please, you simply trying to tell me that James Harden is the greatest offensive uh, greatest offensive player. Better than Michael, better than the goat Michael Jordan, please. Enough. Shut up. Go away. And when he sits up here and and and, and he puts up garbage performances like he did in that game seven against Oakland or Oakland against Oklahoma City, I don't want to hear it. Please. I don't, I don't care about. I don't care about a dopey block. Nobody cares. Okay. That, that, once in a blue moon, James Harden makes a play on the defensive side of the basketball. Bravo. You want to you want to give him a spot in the Hall of Fame already? I mean, give me a break. He plays no defense, and he does not show up when it matters the most in the playoffs. So please, enough of James Harden, enough of the Houston Rockets, and enough of Russell Westbrook too. Will you please? Again, I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. For Daryl Morey and the and for Mike D'Antoni to be dumb enough to trade for Russell Westbrook, thinking that two guys who are essentially ball hogs, for lack of a better word, that like to take 9 million shots and shoot 9 million threes, two guys that essentially play better by themselves when they are the number one, uh, where the the offense runs through them. I said it at the time, and I'll say it again. It was asinine to to trade for Russell Westbrook. Completely and utterly Asinine to trade for Russell Westbrook. These two didn't win a championship on Oklahoma City. What what the hell made you think they were going to win a championship together in Houston? I I I don't get it. They almost lose to the Thunder. They win Game One against the Lakers, and they lose three straight or four straight. Excuse me. 
Wait, that is as bad as a performance as you can get. Bad. And they nearly, and they should have lost against the Thunder. Russell Westbrook was horrendous in that series. James Harden was pathetic. Pathetic. Offensively in that game seven. What, what, you want me to do handstands and run through a hula? Because he made one block. James Harden, who doesn't play a lick of defense, made one play defensively, and all of a sudden we want to put him in the Hall of Fame? Really? Again, I don't. I didn't understand it then. I caught it out then. I'll say it now, and I'm saying it now. The idea that Harden and Westbrook were on the same team was going to get the Rockets close to a championship was ridiculous. Why in the hell did Daryl Morey think, the GM, why did he think that Harden and Westbrook on the same team is going to result in a championship? Why did he think that? These two, especially these two, have made it known, known that they, when the, when the tough gets going in postseason time, they do not deliver. They don't. Um, it's just the way it is. They do not deliver. Whether it's on the same team or individually in separate locations, they don't deliver in the postseason. They just they, they, they don't. And again, all this talk about how great James Harden is and all this talk about Russell Westbrook essentially being Oscar Robinson with his triple doubles, but yet when the casual fan and when all the attention's on them come postseason time, they, they don't show up and they don't deliver. They don't show up and they don't deliver. As a result, they lose in the playoffs again. And Mike D'Antoni will not be back as the Houston Rockets head coach. But enough of the Houston Rockets. Please, enough. Enough of James Harden and, and people waxing poetic about James Harden. No one cares about James Harden scoring 50 points against the Utah Jazz No, in the middle of January. I'm not interested. I don't care. What I do care about is how he performs in Game 7 of a playoff series against the a, against a Oklahoma City team that had no business being in the NBA playoffs. And he, and, and, and he, and he has a horrendous performance offensively. That's what I care about. I don't care about him scoring 50 against the Timberwolves. I don't care. What I do care about is game, and even though they won the game, but still, game seven, the Oklahoma City playoff series, you got to show up and you got to perform. In this series, conference semifinals against the Lakers, you got to perform. No excuses. And whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the Warriors, this team is nothing more than a bunch of play off chokers. Case closed. A bunch of play off chokers. That's what they are. That's what they have been. And as until something changes, that's what it always will be. A bunch of chokers. Nobody cares about what Houston does in the regular season. I'm not interested. It's what have you done for me lately in sports. And what have they done lately in sports? I'll read it to you one more time. They've lost to the Thunder, the Blazers in the first round, the Warriors in the conference finals twice, and lost to the Spurs, lost to the Warriors again, and lost to the Lakers. Enough of the Houston Rockets. Enough. Back after this.
Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Good show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Little midweek episode. I was itching, you know, after all the events that's happened this week, and I was itching to get on, uh, to get on the air and to talk about this. And rather than, you know, get on here and recap, you know, what's happened, you know, of this past NFL weekend, you know, on Friday, you know, this weekend, we're already looking forward to week two. I figured, you know, why not recap it, recap the recap the previous Sunday's action during the week, and then preview the action on the weekend. So, which might end up be a uh, a permanent staple during the football season, where you get two episodes from me. Uh, we get two episodes from me during the week, one during the week, and then one on that Saturday. Might be a staple during uh, the football weekend. I have to wait and see. Give me y'all's thoughts if if you all would be into that and into two episodes. Because I hate to uh, I hate to recap, be the last person essentially to the party and recapping the action while everyone's already looking forward to the next week. And it also has, and I've noticed that it has an effect on listenership. That not too many people listen to me recap the previous week's action. When we're already looking, we're all we're already into the next week of the NFL season. So hopefully, uh, y'all listen to this and my listenership uh, uh, improves improves with me doing these recap episodes during the week, and then I'll of course preview week two and recap the Thursday night game on uh, Saturday, uh, and then of course, and then of course, if y'all like like the way I've done it this week. Next week, I'll re next Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is. I want to do it that after all the games are finished, Monday night included. So Tuesday, Wednesday, recap the week that was, and then and then talk about any whatever sports had whatever big time sports news, of course, in the NBA, MLB that's happened uh, in the what the three four days since I uploaded the weekend episode and on Saturday preview that weekend's games and then recap it on that next Tuesday or Wednesday show. But if y'all enjoyed it, uh, please don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at the J shield. Um, of course, next week, just to give you a little preview of next of not next necessarily next week's, but this weekend's program. I got my man, uh, Brendan Dillon, who is, who we haven't had on since, uh, I want to say since late March, early May, we haven't had him on. We'll have him on again. Talk, of course, everything that's going on in the NFL. Recap week one and preview week two with him. So it's and it's always fun when me and my man Brendan uh, get on the uh, get on the show. He's a good uh, friend, uh, good friend of mine, and a and friend of the program. So it should be nice to have Brendan on on uh, on next week's show. Also. Working on getting a Brandon Perna of That's Good Sports YouTube channel, That's Good Sports and That's Good Broncos. I will have him on later uh, later th- this month. Um, so get another uh, get another uh, another YouTuber on. We had Poofesher on back in uh, early August, and uh, and then of course he had the 
big names and Mad Dog and Evan Cohen are serious, so we get a second YouTuber, but you know, this one will be more aligned to uh break down football instead of his instead of uh his YouTube career that isn't necessarily correlated with sports such as Poofeshers. But if you haven't heard the Poofesher one, by the way, go back and listen to that one. That one came out about the I wanna say August the first that episode dropped with me and YouTuber Poofesh, if you want to listen to that. Uh, the one I did with Evan Cohen was about a few weeks earlier than that. That was about uh, mid-late July. Was it mid-late July? Uh, yeah, about mid-late July with uh, with Evan Cohen. Was it? No. It, uh, let me, matter of fact, since I got you, let me check so I can. So if you want to go find it, um... You don't have to do much uh, heavy lifting. The one with Evan Cohen was June 27th, so I apologize. Want to listen to the one I had with Evan of Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius. Uh, that episode was uploaded June 27th. The one with Poofesher, August the 1st. And you can also hear me scream about Joe Kelly and the Astros as well. The one I did with Dog was from uh, August the 23rd. And I will have That's Good Sports. Uh, Brandon Perna on the program within the next uh, couple of weeks, and Brandon will be on the program on uh, on um, uh, on Saturday show. So if uh, so, look out for that, and that's your essentially your I'm talking to his podcast bulletin. And if you like what you heard, don't be afraid to subscribe, share with your friends and family, follow your boy on Twitter at the J Shield and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at I'm a tell it underscore podcast. We're on Twitter at I'm a tell underscore it T I is. It's your boy Jai Shields. Hope you enjoyed week one. I talked to you this weekend. Y'all enjoy the NBA conference finals and the baseball. Talk to you on Saturday. This has been the Amatelica TIS Podcast. Y'all stay safe. See you.